This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Hey, C3, thank you for letting me come into your living room today from my living room. I hope you're doing well. I hope you've had a great week. Uh, Last week, we started this series, Your Best Life. And the reason we're talking about your best life is because I think it is possible to have or at least develop your best life, my best life in some of our most challenging days. I really do believe we have a unique opportunity in these days for accelerated growth, accelerated growth personally and accelerated growth spiritually. But it won't accidentally happen. There's something we need to do. And today we're going to look at what I believe is one of the primary keys to that. And it's just one word that we're going to look at because the reality is you might not have a lot of say in where you'll be in two months, but you can determine who you'll be in two months and what we do with this time, how we invest ourselves in ourselves, how we process the days, what we do with this time determines where we'll be. We're in a journey together. And the journey is difficult because we live in a culture where we give all of our attention to the destination. That's what we focus on. And we miss the power and the purpose of the journey. We're in the journey. We have somewhere we'd like to go, but we're not there yet. We live in a destination culture where we think about, we sort of live from next event to event to event. Whose birthday party? Where's the vacation? What's the next holiday? And we miss all the time in between. But what if, what if there's incredible significance found in the journey? See, your best life, my best life is not created in the temporary moments of achievement. Your best life and my best life is built through the choices and the actions in the journey. And so you might be sitting there this morning thinking, and I know I've had some of these thoughts. I I wish I knew how much longer it would be before we get to whatever the new normal is, or I, I, I wish I knew what it, what it will all look like. I wonder how quickly, I wish I knew how quickly we would recover, the economy would recover. I, I wish I knew how soon we could reconnect with our friends and our loved ones. I wish, I wish I knew when we could go back to work. For me, man, I, I wish I knew when we could start meeting again as a community of faith because Angie and I miss you. I, I wish I knew these things. And everything seems so uncertain in so many ways. We're going somewhere. Days are passing. We get confused sometimes week to week about what day is it, but days are passing, but we're not sure where we're going. There's a lot of uncertainty, but but I know one of the things that's been helpful for me to remember and sort of hold on to, and I, I think it might be helpful for you, is that God does often his greatest and most significant work during seasons of uncertainty. It's who he is. You think about it, the birth of Jesus. When Jesus was born, a time of incredible uncertainty. He, he was born in a cattle trough, in a, in a barn. Incredible uncertainty. You think about the death of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, and those who had given up everything to follow him. Their whole world is turned upside down. What now? In between the crucifixion and the resurrection, a lot of uncertainty. You think about Old Testament Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land, and they come to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's armies are, are chasing them. Incredible uncertainty. Or Abraham, God actually says to Abraham, go to a place I'll show you. Just start going. Just have some momentum in your life. And once you start moving, 
If you're listening to me and following me, I'll point your steps. I'll direct you step by step. But right now, you just need to start moving. I wonder sometimes often we can be in a place where we're waiting on God to do something. We're waiting for some event or something to just change everything. And often I think God might be waiting on us to just start moving and being willing to follow him and doing something with the time that we have in the moment. But for Abraham, go to a place I'll show you. How uncertain is that? He doesn't even know where he's going. Or, or the last words of Jesus to you and to me, to the church. Hey, go into the world, reach the world and help people, serve people. But there's so much uncertainty because in that time, the church was under incredible persecution. Jesus had just been crucified a few days before. And there's all of this uncertainty and yet they launch because they don't know everything, but they do what they know. And that is, man, you, you've got to know Jesus. And, and listen, I really believe the church The church exists for times like this. And the church is you and me. We we are learning in a fresh and very real way. We've said it before, but it's so true. The church is not a building. It's people. It's you and me. And, And this is a moment where we can shine not our light, but the light of Christ through us and show people how much God loves them by how we function in this moment. We have a huge opportunity. But but you think about all of the uncertainty and what God did in seasons of uncertainty, not just in the Bible, but but for you. If you're a Christ follower. Maybe you grew up in church. Your favorite Bible passage, your favorite passage in Scripture, the verse in Scripture that is the most comforting to you, those were birthed during times of uncertainty and often pain. It's in those moments that God speaks the loudest. God speaks the loudest often when he seems the quietest. God can speak the clearest when life is the most uncertain. It is in the the uncomfortable places where where there's that tension and there's that uncertainty and and we have more questions than answers and we don't have it all figured out. It is in those moments that God can do his greatest work in us and through us and his greatest work in the life of our church and of every church, of the church around the world. But here's what we know. Growth. Remember, I mentioned it's a time, a huge opportunity for accelerated growth, but that growth is available, but it's not automatic. That growth will just not not just automatically happen. As we come through this and begin to come out of this, you're going to notice some people that are in better shape and some people that are in worse shape physically. There are going to be people who are used to a routine and, and slide back into work easier than some others. There are going to be some who've done something with this time that actually improve themselves and then others who just sort of wasted the time. There are going to be some who figured out because we're not we're not buying gasoline. Um, there, there are ways that we're saving money. And then others, man, they're struggling financially, but some will come out of this with a little bit in the bank. Others will, will not have it. And many of them to no fault of their own. If they lost their jobs, they're furloughed. Maybe that's you and that you can't help that. But there are some things you can do. See, growth is available, but it's not automatic. I remember way back in the day, my freshman year in college, I grew up in Texas and I went to Texas A&M and freshman year, first semester, um, I was a pre-dental major. I was not going to be a pastor. I was going to be a dentist. This was, I, I knew God wanted me to be a pastor, but I didn't want anything to do with ministry, terrified of speaking in front of people, uh, Watched the church I grew up in was pretty rough on pastors occasionally. And so I, I didn't want anything to do with that. So I was going to be a dentist. And I was in the pre-dental program, biology class, 
freshman year, first exam in college. And in high school, I had done great in biology. I mean, it just came naturally. Um, all A's, A's and B's, pretty easy. First exam in college in biology, I got a 13. <laughs> and you probably just turned this off. I'm watching the guy that got a 13 in biology. I got a 13. Now, most of the grades in the class were, were pretty rough. Because I remember the pre- professor the next class saying, hey, uh, nobody did great on this. Uh, there's going to be a curve at the end of the semester. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you want me to invest all these weeks to see if I get a curve? I mean, I didn't understand that. I didn't know what that meant at the time because we didn't do that in high school. But listen, just because I thought I knew something, it didn't just happen. If I had been intentional in studying and making the most of the time, that grade wouldn't have been that great. I, I took for granted the time leading up to it. I thought because of past experiences, I'll figure it out. No big deal. It'll be all right. Growth is always available, but it's not automatic. We have to be intentional. And that's what's going to bring you. That's what's going to bring me to our best life. We, we have to be intentional with how we spend our time. And we have to intentionally spend it on things that will help us grow to become who we want to be personally, who we want to be spiritually. So what are the things that you and I can do at this time? That the you of five years from now will give the you of today a standing ovation for because of what you did in these days. What, what, what can I do with this time? That the me of five years from now will be thrilled that I spent the time that way in these days and I was intentional. There's a, a story in scripture, one of my favorite stories in the book of Genesis, first book in the Bible about Joseph. We're going to drop into this story. It's already taking place. We're going to drop into the story. Joseph's dad's about to send him on a journey. Joseph, Genesis chapter 37, verse 14 says this. So he said to him, his dad said to Joseph, go and see if it is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring back word to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they're grazing their flocks? They moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. And Joseph said, why did they go to Alabama? No, it's not Alabama. It's a different Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. Now, the journey of Joseph, if you've ever read it in Scripture, you know, there's this constant down, down, down. Things keep happening in a difficult and challenging way. His brothers can't stand him. They're going to throw him in a a cistern, sell him into slavery. He's going to be falsely accused of a crime. He's going to be thrown into prison. And at the end of the day, he's going to end up second in command only under Pharaoh in all of Egypt. How did he get there? How did he get there through so much uncertainty? How did he get there through so much challenge and difficulty? How did he get there after betrayal, after being hurt? Everybody in his life he knew pretty much let him down all the way through. How did he get there? Here's what you and I need to remember in these days. Small steps now lead to the life we desire later. Small steps now lead to the life we desire later. See, what we can tend to do in seasons like this is think, well, man, when I go back to work, I'm going to start blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> man, once I, once I can go to the gym again, I, I'm going to, I'm over this. Man, once we get to that place, we're, we're going to go, uh, I'm going to take my spouse out on a date. We're, we're going to, and, and we tend to wait for events. We tend to wait for those moments. But it's the small steps now that will lead to the life we desire later. So what are the small steps you and I can take in these days? See, it's all about being intentional. 
You can use the time or waste the time. You have the choice. But one thing we need to remember is what you're looking for. Remember Joseph, he gets there and the guy says, no, they're not here. They've gone to Dothan. What you're looking for may not be where you think you'll find it. And that's true in all of life. Another thing I notice in these verses, we all need help in the journey. Joseph had to ask somebody, hey, you see my brothers, we all need help in the journey. And that's one of the things we as C3 are trying to be is a help uh, to you, a help to everyone we can. That, that's what so many churches, man, are doing an incredible job of being so helpful to people in these days. We, we want to be helpful to others in the journey. But remember, I need help. You need help. We all need help in the journey. So it's an important thing to process. Where do I find help? I think the best place is church. I think the best person is Jesus because he's never gotten it wrong. But, but notice what happens in the story. Genesis 37, verse 23, the Bible says, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Hey, listen. When things get bad, remember, God's not done. Often we, we see the moment. You know what we never see? I was doing some research this week about how uh, how much time we're spending online in these days because everybody's a, a ton of people are at home. And so it's astounding how much more time we're spending online and on social media. What we don't see on social media are people's bad moments. But all of us have them. When things get bad. Remember, God's not done. We're, we're seeing a snapshot in time. Of what's happening in our lives, we're not seeing the whole picture. The other thing I noticed, Joseph is sent by his father. He's obeying. He's doing the right thing. Sometimes when you do the right thing, the wrong thing happens. In the moment, but not forever. So another thing I see in this passage is expect the unexpected. We should know. Expect the unexpected. It wasn't but a few weeks ago. We had no idea what this would look like. We had no idea. I mean, there were some murmurings and we heard people talking about it, but... By and large, we pretty much ignored all that because, you know, we're we're Americans. We're going to figure this out. We're going to navigate. We're going to get through it. It's not going to affect us. We've heard things like this before. But you've got to learn to expect the unexpected. Things are going to change. And often we meet people, and maybe you've said this, man, I I just don't like change. I'm somebody I don't like change. Yes, you do. You change your underwear every day. You change your clothes every day. You don't mind changing your car. You don't mind changing your house. We love change as long as we can control it. It's the change we can't control that we have pushback to. And that's the unexpected. We didn't see it coming. All of a sudden it's here. All of a sudden that thing happened. All of a sudden the bad grade. All of a sudden the difficult phone call. All of a sudden the bad news. But we have to, we have to know there's going to be unexpected in life. But what is unexpected to you and to me is fully expected and anticipated by our God. What's surprising to me is not surprising to him. That's one of the tremendous values of being a follower of Christ. There's nothing I'm going to experience or go through or have to walk through that God doesn't already know about and have sufficient grace to help me walk through those days. Joseph is sold into slavery. And then somehow he finds himself in Potiphar's house. And he's in charge of Potiphar's house. I noticed Genesis chapter 39 verse 2 says the Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered. Now, if there'd ever been anybody that could have thought, man, this is unfair. Life's unfair. I don't deserve this. I was sold by my brothers. 
I've been through hell. I can't believe I'm here. And now I'm serving as a slave. And yeah, I'm over the household, but I'm serving. If anybody could have had a bad attitude, it's Joseph. But notice the Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered. We don't we don't read of that bad attitude. We don't read of poor decisions. We, we read about a guy who's very intentional with his time. And the same God that was with Joseph wants to be with you and he wants to be with me. It's who God is. Potiphar's wife decides that she likes Joseph and she says to Joseph, hey, come to bed with me. And Joseph said, I, I, I can't do that. Again, he's being intentional with his time. Potiphar was away. He could have easily rationalized that. He could have thought, man, life hasn't been fair to me. God hasn't been fair to me. Who cares? But in that moment where there's an opportunity that could be appealing, he says, no, I want to do the wise thing. Because listen, in these days, we have to play the long game. We can't just look at where we are right now. We are allowing God to build in us who he wants us to be. And so Potiphar's wife says, come to bed with me. And Joseph says, no. And Potiphar's wife keeps coming back. Come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. Come to bed. No, no, no. Until finally one day she grabs him by the coat. He pulls out of that coat and takes off. Potiphar's wife is so embarrassed. She accuses him of trying to rape her. And Potiphar has him thrown in jail. He's convicted of a crime he didn't commit. Now think about all the things that have happened in his life. But, but in jail, in prison, he meets a couple of guys that have worked in Pharaoh's house, and one of them is a cupbearer. And these two guys have dreams, and Joseph interprets their dreams because God gives him the ability to do that. And he says to the cupbearer, hey, you're about to get out of here. When you get out of here, would you please make sure you remember me? Please, please tell them, man, I, I was falsely accused. Let them know about me. Genesis chapter 40, verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Hey, sometimes people that can help you get there faster will forget you. It happened to Joseph. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to me. It's part of the journey, but it doesn't mean that God's not with you. It doesn't mean that something better is not coming. So Joseph finally gets out because two years go by, two years go by. And the cupbearer says, oh, yeah, there's, there's this guy I met in prison because Pharaoh had, had a dream. There's this guy I met in prison. I think he can interpret dreams. I forgot about him. Let's get him. Two years go by. And, and so Pharaoh calls Joseph and Joseph interprets the dream. Genesis chapter 41, verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and as wise as you. Now notice Pharaoh saying to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you. Somehow Joseph was living his life in such a way as he tried to do the next wise thing as he was trying to be intentional with this time, that it was evident to Pharaoh, hey, God's with this guy. Somehow God is, is in this guy's life. Hey, parents, could I say a word to you for a second? Your kids right now have a front row seat to how you handle adversity and crisis. We have a tremendous opportunity in these days. Whatever influence you have, if you're a parent, if you're a leader, whatever influence you have, the people that are watching you, we have a tremendous opportunity to show what it looks like to live and lead through crisis, to show what it looks like for God to be with us. The, the question is, do people see Jesus in you when things aren't going well? Do, do they notice? I mean, Jesus is in Joseph has this relationship with God in prison in such a way that Pharaoh, when he calls him out, is like, man, that God's somehow God's in your life. Do people see that? See, often when things aren't going well, we feel like we can mask it because life is really busy normally. Life is at an insane pace. And so 
We just tell ourselves, okay, when we're home in the evening, we, we put on the happy face around the family, around the kids, act like everything's okay. We can get through dinner. But, but you know there's been tension in your marriage. Maybe you've been working in a job you can't stand. You know there are things you're trying to navigate. Hey, this is a season where we've been given the gift of time to work that stuff out, to figure that stuff out. And if you can't, reach out for help to do that. Because remember, we all need help in the journey. But are, are your kids being encouraged by your faith in these times? Are your kids watching you when there's so many unknowns? Say, listen, there's a lot of things we don't know for sure. But we know God loves us and he's going to work it all out. We can trust him. We're, we're showing them, not just telling them, but showing them. How do you live when things are so uncertain? And then notice what Pharaoh says to Joseph. I love this. Chapter 41, verse 39, Genesis You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Are you kidding me? Joseph was betrayed by those closest to him. He he was abused. He was sold into slavery. He was lied about. He was convicted of a crime he didn't commit. And he was forgotten in prison for two years. And the whole thing from the time he sold into slavery until the moment he's second in command in Egypt, 13 years go by. 13 years. Right now, we're living through a few weeks, that may be a few months, that will definitely go into a new normal, but it's not going to be 13 years. What can we do during that time that will determine where we'll be? See, here's one of the things I noticed about Joseph, and I think it's a lesson for all of us. Our attitude determines our altitude. It's your attitude. It's my attitude that determines how high we'll soar in life. Bad attitude, bad life. Bad attitude, bad relationships. Bad attitude, bad friendships. It's just the way it goes. Our attitude determines our our altitude. And it's the small, intentional, daily choices that bring the biggest results in our lives. So what we have to remember is you're not just spending time. You're building habits. You're not just going through these days. You're actually building habits. They may be good ones. They may be poor ones, but you're building habits. And great lives are built not by what we see. They're developed in what we don't see. Joseph's shining moment was not when he stood before Pharaoh and interpreted the dream. The moments that created where Joseph would be, those moments happened in prison and in slavery when he had no freedom. He had no personal space. It was during that season that God created in Joseph and Joseph, by being intentional at the time and doing the next wise thing at every opportunity, even when it was unfair. He set himself up for what God wanted to do. See, what we do with our time determines who will be, even in this time. What we do with our time determines who will be. And Joseph didn't have some strategy. He, he didn't think when his brother sold him into slavery He didn't think, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to become second in command in all of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world at that time. He didn't have some strategy he was working to become second in command over a nation. He was just doing the next wise thing. He was being intentional. He wasn't trying to achieve. He was trying to become. Now, there's nothing wrong with achievement unless it becomes your God, because then you can never achieve achieve enough. If you work on trying to become, what is God trying to do in my life? What is he trying to teach me? How can I grow personally? How can I grow spiritually? Achievement will take care of itself. 
In these uncertain days, what is certain is that we have the power to make the choice of how we spend this time. You get to decide, I get to decide more than ever what we do with our Mondays and our Wednesdays and our Saturdays. It's up to us. And I love one of my favorite verses is this verse in Ephesians, Ephesians 5, 16. I love the message translation. It says, so watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. In desperate times, what do we do? Watch your step. Be intentional. Think about your choices. Think about your decisions. Do you need to go to the refrigerator or to the Peloton? Watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. You have more time to exercise right now than you've ever had. Some of you, you were in a job you couldn't stand and you prayed God would deliver you from it. He just did. And you're thinking it's the end, but it's not. The scriptures tell us God can turn something incredible out of even what was meant for evil for those who love him. So if you're a follower of Christ, you can hold on to that. Man, God's doing something beyond what we can see. So how do we live intentionally? Let me give you just a few thoughts. How do we live intentionally in these days? And these, these are just a few thoughts. I'm sure there are more, but things that you can consider and things that I can consider in our day to day. How do I bring this into my life? If I want to live intentionally, if you want a positive life, you can't have a negative mindset. It's important how we think. We talked about it last week. If you missed last week, that's where we began this series. And we talked about our thinking and how it affects how we feel, how we live, the quality of life we have. If you missed it, go back and check it out. But if you want a positive life, you can't have a negative mindset. So I think one of the things that's helpful is to clear our minds first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, maybe there's some declarations as as you look at Scripture. And maybe you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you've never read your Bible. You can just you can just Google helpful Bible verses. Uh, you, you can you can look at, hey, what are some Bible passages that are that are encouraging? What are Bible passages about God's love for people? And then from that, jot down four or five verses, maybe. And, and so you begin to have maybe you have some personal declarations, things that you say to you first thing in the morning. Because the most powerful words that you will ever hear are the ones you speak to yourself. They often don't even come through the mouth. They're in the mind. How many times have you told yourself you can't, so you couldn't? Or you won't, so you didn't? Or they'll never, so it never happened? Or I'm just not that kind of person? See, the most powerful words you say are the ones you say to yourself. And so it becomes extremely powerful Because ultimately, there are no words more powerful than God's words. When we say to ourselves what God says, stop worrying about what they say about you. What does God say about you? And so jot down three or four statements. Man, God says he loves me no matter what. God says this day, the scripture says his mercies are new every morning. This day is a gift from God and it's filled with opportunities. We also know Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. So I know this day is going to have some trouble, but the same passage says but take heart, I've overcome the world. This day's going to have some trouble, but my God is going with me. Jesus, I invite you, man, to be real and evident in my life today and walk with me through this day, through the ups and the downs. Have some declarations. Maybe first thing in the morning, grab your smartphone and look at the YouVersion app. YouVersion is an incredible app. And there are tons of, of reading plans in there. And so if you're struggling with doubt, you can go in YouVersion and you can search a plan for doubt and it'll give you a daily Bible reading. And you'll let the spirit of God through the word of God nourish your soul at the beginning of each day. You'll be feeding your soul, the real you. 
I know during this time we're at home so much, I hear a lot of people talking about comfort food. And so people are saying, man, I've gained some weight. I'm Just comfort food is one of the few things we can enjoy right now. So my question is, what are your comfort food thoughts? What are the helpful thoughts that will benefit you in your day? Because when you tell yourself the truth about what God says about you, hey, God says that, <clears throat> that you and I are broken and messed up. We're sinners. We've done things that aren't honoring to him. We've done things that are displeasing to him. But he also says he loves us so much that he sent Jesus to take care of that. So God loves me so much, even in my brokenness, that he sent Jesus to be my personal savior, the God of my life, to walk with me through every day. That's a comforting thought. Another way to live intentionally is to remember if it works, do it. If it doesn't, change it. If it works, do it. If not, change it. There may be some things that you're walking through each day and it's just not working for you. Where you, you know, the corner you've carved out to work from home, it's just not working. Change it. If it works, do it. If not, change it. But be intentional with your space. Another way to live intentionally right now, have a consistent routine. Have a consistent routine. Still get up at whatever time you would normally get up. Shower, do whatever you do. Get ready. Get ready for your day. (laughs) Yes, you can go to the office in your PJs, and that's cool occasionally maybe, but you don't want to do that every day. Bring some intentionality. It's just as important as it's ever been. Have a consistent routine as much as you possibly can. This is when I'm going to work. This is when I'm going to work out. This is when I'm going to just hang out with family. Build those things in place. Another way we can live intentionally, do something physical. Man, this is the time. I I, I know gyms are closed, but maybe jump on YouTube and search body weight workouts and, and look at what you can do or indoor calisthenics if you don't want to go outside or indoor cardio or whatever. There's tons of different options right now. The only way we don't do it is if we don't access it. Do something physical. I think if you're married, if you're married, I think probably in about nine months, we may have the biggest baby dedication Sunday we've ever had in the history of C3. I mean, if you're married, have a blast. You say, well, we don't really want any more kids. You can still practice. You can still practice. It's fine. Do something physical. Another way to live intentionally, prioritize family time. Make it a priority. You've always said it's busy right now. When it slows down, we're going to have dinner together at least four nights a week. Man, we're in a, we're in a hectic season right now, but when, when soccer's over, we're, we're going we're, we're gonna to hang out as a family and do stuff together. You've got it. We're going to, you know, one day I heard about a family, they have game night every week. One day we're going to do that. Hey, you can do it three nights a week right now. You, you've got it. Prioritize family time. Let this be a time that the people in your family remember it was difficult, it was uncertain, it was challenging. But man, we grew closer together. Man, that was a time that some special memories were created. Now, your family may not be with you. Jump on FaceTime, Zoom, whatever. Connect. Use this time because you've got time. I've got time. They've got time. We've all got time. And so prioritize family time. Another way to live intentionally, be as productive as you can. As productive as you can. Make sure each day you've accomplished something. It may be something small, maybe something large. It may not be at the same pace that you used to. It may be a different pace, but be as productive as you can. So adjust your office hours if you need to. Adjust your work hours if you have that flexibility. Maybe right now if you're at home and the kids are at home and they're trying to do school in the mornings, maybe maybe you start working after lunch. Or if you're married uh, and both of you typically work outside the home, uh, maybe you work two hours, then your spouse works two hours, then you work two hours and you, you take shifts. But 
Be as productive as you can with the time. Have a to-do list. Try something new. Launch something that you've thought. If I ever get the time, I'm always going to do that. Do that. So adjust your hours, work in shifts. Develop the to-do list. Try something new. Another way to live intentionally. This one's huge. Accept and extend grace. Hey, it's a tough time. And understand that we all have things we've walked through. And for some people on certain times, they feel a little bit more. Because maybe recently they've been through something very devastating. Maybe in their life, things have been challenging over and over. And this just feels like it's heaping on. We want to be able to extend grace to people. If somebody goes on Facebook and has a rant, give them grace. Just say, hey, they're probably walking through something. Except except political rants. Stop that stuff. Man, let's represent Jesus well. I've never heard anybody say, you know, I've always been in this party, but I read something somebody wrote on Facebook about this party, and I just changed my mind. I've never heard that. We just get on Facebook and throw up about our opinion and get everybody upset. Man, if you're a Christ follower, if you're part of the church, yes, be passionate about what you believe. Be passionate about who you're going to vote for. That's awesome. But the biggest deal in your life and mine is not who we get people to vote for. It's who we get people to follow. And that's Jesus. Job one, we want to connect people with Jesus. So let's let's extend grace to people, but let's also accept grace. You're not going to get it right every time. This is a a new season. Life has changed. We're going somewhere we've never been before. You're going to make some mistakes. I'm going to make some mistakes. Hey, that's okay. Accept God's grace. He understands that. And then let's give that grace to others. Maybe this morning as you listen to this, you're thinking, man, I, I know that I'd love to have the grace of God. I'd love to have the forgiveness of God. And maybe, maybe you've never committed your life to Christ. I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. And in this moment, you can do that. You can commit your life to Christ and have everything available to you that we've just talked about and to be able to exponentially enhance how you use this time to grow personally and grow spiritually. Because you and I can only do so much, but with the spirit of God living inside us, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he can accomplish so much more in us. And so if you'd like to commit your life to Christ, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in the quietness of your heart. But just pray, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. and Forgive my sin. And help me to live for you. As best I know how. I commit my life to you. In Jesus name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at givec3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.